0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: You're listening to Comedy Central. Now hiring. The nation of Japan is offering families $8,000 to move out of the city of Tokyo. Hmm. Hmm. This 8000 comes on top of the previous 7000 that was already on the table for a total of about $15,000 to get your ass to fuck out this overpopulated part of the country. Makes sense. Overpopulation in Tokyo is taking over, so they were already offering people 8000 to get the fuck out. But if you got a kid, you know what? We'll throw another seven on top of that, dog. Oh. Based on where you all live now, how much money would you need to be paid? I don't think $8,000 is enough to move
3: just out of town. Nah. Like how far? We're nah. Talking. That's the question. You found it really mean, to in cost of living too? You gotta be out of town. I mean, I take that
2: deal. Okay, but that out of town could be East Tokyo, like cross the river or some shit. Like, you
3: know. Exactly. $8,000 to throw some bullshit. I take a free eight Gs to switch apartments. Nah. <laughs>
2: if I ran Japan, if I ran Japan, I would like, say y'all niggas gotta go to Korea. <laughs> damn. Huh? AG's uh, and go to Korea?
3: God damn. <laughs> Kanichiwa, bitches.
2: Right. North or South. They leave to whichever,
3: how much you want. I'll pay you. I'll double up if you go to North.
1: What's wrong with you?
3: <laughs> they better be glad they ain't talking about Beijing, because China would just get, push your ass out the city. Mm. <laughs> And take eight G's from you. <laughs> <laughs> they do so much fucked up shit over there, and we just don't say nothing.
2: My name is Roy. This is my Foreign Conspiracy Democracy Fair.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Jackal in his absence.
2: (laughs) Happy 2023 to you. It is a new year. It is a new time where you look back on everything that you've done, everything that you did, and realize what a complete failure you are as you reset the clock and re-inspire yourself. You went out and you at this point in the new year you're halfway through that box of nutritional cereal that you promise you're gonna yeah. eat two bowls of every day but you ain't mm. that shit and then switch back over to them fucking cereal bars of little key has one time so of special up.
3: K with the strawberries <laughs> in it
2: with the strawberries
3: everybody everybody's picked up yeah I'm a dude I'm gonna eat this replace two meals with these nah. Nah, <laughs> nah never happens let me get a punch bowl full of lucky charms my nigga
2: we're a little all over the place today uh that will be by design uh got a number of guests from a um, couple different quadrants of employment and um i think we're going to do an impromptu relationship fair <gasps> first we're going to speak with an hr executive to talk about the mistakes that you make during job interviews that could keep you from getting a job and the fact that you know what he's done to fire people jg you'll be happy to know that it's a brother patrick who we're going to talk okay. to in a second. Uh, Patrick once fired hundred people in eight hours. Top yes! of your total. Good job, Patrick. No, no. that's not. It. No, bad job. Bad job. <laughs> Karma bad. Fire <laughs> bad. <laughs> bad. <laughs> uh, a hundred. A member of the two-time club is going to be back on the show today. Uh, brother Roster Root, and we're going to talk with him about the process of what it's like to produce a rap album posthumously. Is that the word? Did I nail that Sounds one? right. Posthumously. When your partner's already passed away, and we're talking about, you know, wonderful Fife Dog from a tribe called Quest, uh, Rasta was showed with the responsibility of figuring out which tracks to put together for that album, Fife Dog Forever. So we're going to talk to him, and we're going to even listen to some of the tracks. Shout out to the legal team. Shout out. Who, um... Helped us through this process to make sure that we could give you as much of a listening experience as possible. Um, and then we're also going to talk a little bit today about burnout, which is where I want to start right now. Uh, we're going to have a brother on a little later today, and he's going to talk to us about recognizing the signs of burnout and what you should do before you quit your job. If you burnt out and you sick of that shit, don't just quit right away. It's one more thing you should do. And when we talk about burnout and ways to avoid it, ain't no soft way to say it. This will be the last episode of Roy's job fair for a little while, while I figure out what the fuck to do in the world of late night. And this is not, it was not an easy decision to come to, Um, you know, the team I've spoken with you all about it, but the listeners, you know, I kind of went back and forth, you know, I don't know. Do you pull a Trevor Noah and say, what you're going to do beforehand, or do you just do it on the last episode? And I figure we do it on the last episode. Um, I don't want to be in a situation where I find myself burnt out, mm-hmm. you know, and seeing burnt out coworkers a little bit more up close. As much as I love this podcast, and JG, you of all people know what a labor love Absolutely. this has been. From the beginning,
3: <laughs> two in the morning. <laughs> talking to people on Twitter. Ralph, we used to be on Twitter with this shit.
2: I just no, just fuck it. Whoever come up in the Zoom box next, that's who yeah, we talking no, well, to. I remember, I was a follower back then, sir. So no hoes bars. Chaos. I remember. Chaos. I remember, it was early shows as well. But my future at The Daily Show is not promised in terms of hosting, if we just be in 100, right? Do I want to be in consideration for hosting? Absolutely. Am I in the hopper as one of the many guest hosts that will be coming up in the next couple of months? Absolutely. But in the interim, not knowing how that's going to go, I got to put a couple other pots on the stove, man, and I got to make sure that one of them bets pays it's off.
3: Taking over for James Corden.
2: <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> but finally. While you're There was a report that they're going to cut the budget for late night from 60 million to 35 million
1: Mm -hmm. uh, for
2: Corden. So, you know, it's television is changing. Yeah. Like if we're talking about the bigger scope of the industry in which I really pay my bills, it is changing. Paramount cut their unscripted and reality shows last year. That's how much people are trying to save money. Damn,
3: because those things are basically free.
2: You can make them holes for three dollars an episode.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Also, cutting the budget of a late night show I have does sound like they're about to give it to a black person.
2: So <laughs> Bingo I mean, uh, also, and I don't know if y'all care about this shit, this would be a good episode to have at some point. Um, there is a potential writer strike looming mm-hmm. this summer. Hey, and bingo. when that writer strike hits as it is believed to hit, that it will hit, television production is gonna stop for an unknown amount of time. So uh if I'm a smart squirrel now in January. Then I need to start getting my acorns together. Uh with that being said, Philadelphia, I'll be coming your way to the Punchline Comedy Club. You know where I wanna I wanna send a very sincere thank you to everybody that's invested their time in this podcast and listening to it and being, you know, people who spread the good gospel. This was by intention the people's podcast. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be about talking to regular people. I did not want to talk to celebrities. And I just hope that on the other side of everything that is figuring out the next phase of my life, then I'm able to come back and um, get this podcast back cracking again. You know, uh, Rod, I say thank you to you because I knew the streets would appreciate it. I knew people would fuck with you, Ralph. I'm happy we met that night um, in New Brunswick, New Jersey at the Comedy Club. And um, I appreciate your undying late night sacrifices editing this program, Jacqueline. Um, I'll see your ass in a week.
4: (laughs) But wait a minute. You really think I'm going to let you say all that and not say that I am so proud of you for taking time for yourself and that I am so proud of you for saying no. And I'm so proud of you for saying yes. You have spared so many people a well-deserved throat punch By choosing, choosing grace. And no matter the project, your beautiful heart is always on display, Roy Wood Jr. It is my honor. I know, but I have much more to say. And you you. really think I'm going to stop, but I'm not.
2: I'm not gonna let you drag this shit out. Cause we're not gonna make this. Ain't a funeral for the show. I'm taking a break so I lose my fucking mind while I try I mean, to figure out what late night TV show I can create or take over. That's well, what I'm I'm still gonna to. tell you
4: more. So and, it's my honor. In the middle
2: of that, I still have to go out and work on new stand up because I want to get back on the road. You know, we're doing tribulations. Tribulations is coming back in March as yes. a comedy therapy show. And somewhere in the middle of all of that shit, I still have to be a father. Yes, there's still a six-year-old that I don't know. He wants to hang out a lot, so I guess I got to do that too. You do. They don't really go away. They don't really go away. And you also have to let me
4: finish saying these nice things about you that you don't want to hear.
2: You can finish, please. Thank you. Get back to the show.
4: Okay. So I was saying that your beautiful heart is always the. You're making me laugh. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. 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 So you know that it's my honor to pray for you daily, to walk alongside of you on the days that go well and the days you tell me not to cry. Trust is our currency. Thank you for taking my name into rooms I never imagined. Thank you for always encouraging me to follow the paths that make me different. And now as you go forth and accomplish even more than you can imagine, know the best is yet to come. And then I have one small sidebar. Yes, I'm going to ring your phone at 60 minutes to every call time and 30 minutes before every other call time, respectively. And yes, I'm always going to ugly cry at every milestone. And yes, I'm going to blow my nose on your handkerchief. I am who I am. And I thank you, Roy Wood Jr.
2: Well, thank you, J.G. You're thank welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, we also got to send a shout out to, of course, Hayat, who has dutifully helped me with the bookings and saved me some goddamn migraines, um, as well as Tierra. Tierra, we don't talk too often on the show. She checks in now and then, but she handles a lot of the back-producing of the show to get it ready for satellite radio and ultimately what I want for terrestrial radio as well, which I still want to do, and of course, old Rhonda. You know, Rhonda, Rhonda, Rhonda emailed us out the blue. She's just like, hey, I like y'all. Y'all need some help with anything? Who's I
5: she is a true engineer with a side hustle, bro. That's really what it is. She is she's an amazing person, man.
2: Amazing person. Uh, So, you know, I'm very, I'm very appreciative. So with the <laughs> with that, with that being said. Happy birthday, Ralph. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Happy
3: birthday. Yeah, I'm bud. sorry that this is happening <laughs> on your birthday. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's, McDo- it's McDonald's all over again. Bruh. First your best, first your, first your best friend fires you, right? And now it's like, hey, happy birthday! You need a, a new job, job. nigga.
2: <laughs> this is a hiatus. All your late
5: night help I'll let y'all know that this nigga's available.
2: <laughs> this is. <laughs> I remain steadfast that, do, that this yes. is a hiatus. It is not an ending or a conclusion, but I need yes. bandwidth to figure out this other shit first. That's just the Both blunt understand. truth of the matter. If I'm going to figure out where I fit in the world of late night, be it as a host or a correspondent or whatever, while they're cutting budgets, then I need to be thinking of the funniest, cheapest goddamn joke I can come up with.
5: <laughs> like, mm. Oh. I means the Roy Wood Jr. Relationship Special is coming. Shot on an <laughs>
3: iPhone 6. Right. <laughs> Listen, Bounce TV has been waiting on you to hit rock <laughs> bottom, buddy. The two thousand dollars for a special sound pretty good mm. now, it
1: <laughs> 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 So yeah,
2: that's that's the deal. That's what's happening. That's why this episode is going to be ridiculously long because I don't want this to end. Uh, it's time now for Cody's most outstanding employee of the week. Bill Cosby is back on tour. Called it,
5: <laughs> called it. I've been waiting for you to say this shit. We called it, called it a year ago, almost to the effing day. We called it, we called it. And then the question now is, who's he riding with? Who's going to be the opener? Who's going to be that feature? Or is just Bill Cosby I for
3: three hours? I
1: can't do it. I can't do it.
3: I'm just- Chris D'Elia. <laughs> <laughs>
1: God damn,
2: Jacqueline oh, no. Do you think at 85 years old people will still pay money? Because there's a bunch of hurdles with this, and also Cosby's not my CMO, but I just thought that was funny because I thought it would. No, that's hilarious, bro He can't be the CMO. That can't. No. Right. JG, my question to you: is this being said, okay, do you think people will buy tickets? To Bill Cosby.
4: So, are you saying recidivism doesn't work?
2: Oh, I mean, recidivism we with say, Bill Cosby. Like, I'm, I'm just asking thug. the question. This isn't like I, some hardened
5: I, thug. This is like America's I, dad. I, you he see where I'm going? Faking blindness. I don't.
2: Yeah, you can see where I'm going. I, I'm just asking. I number one, I think people will buy tickets to see Bill Cosby. Okay. Full stop. Absolutely. I don't know what venue in good faith, will book Bill Mm -hmm. Cosby. Full stop. That's, that's the only place I highly disagree with you.
4: And please know that I am not saying that Bill Cosby should be someone who's out there on the road making money. But this is the only way that he actually has to possibly live if he didn't save his money and do well. So I still stand upon maybe, yes, there's someone who's going to book him. There's a venue that's going to book him. But then I also think about the fact when you serve your time, are you clear now, or can you go back out there? It's a question.
3: Cosby's got to hang it up, man. Don't nobody want to see that shit. He too old. That's the, that's the this is thing that's weird about it to me. First of all, Bill Cosby's not an edgy comedian, so he can't go on stage to this comeback. He's not he's not having any jokes about what happened, and he's in his eighties. As is his audience. They're not coming out the house. The only people that will be willing to buy a ticket to see this shit. It's the young dummies who were all with the. He was trying to buy NBC, and that's why he got in trouble. But they don't like Bill Cosby's comedy, so they just gonna come, give him a standard ovation. Then, as soon as he start talking this 1940s bullshit, they gonna be ready to leave. You hit the nigga lottery, okay? You got found guilty of a crime. And then they let you out on some technicality. Sit your ass in the house and wait to die. Don't go out there and fuck this shit up. Wait to die. The same day he announced he was going back on tour, two of his victims sued his ass. He better sit the fuck down somewhere. I
4: just have one question. I'm curious about which prison game was he in. Because to be in prison, you need to be in a game to be protected. So I just want to know which one he was in. Not
3: when not when you not when you're an old man. He was just an OG. Yeah. Really? I always thought it was funny that like there was gonna be like old niggas in like niggas in prison would be called the Bill Cosby old head.
5: Cosby when (laughs) they got a thug life tattoo. Jack with
3: the Cosby pledge gangster disciple and then checking... Right. Nigga, whether that became a crip. Right. I need some Lord. backup.
1: <laughs> I would like to
3: talk to you about your commissary.
2: Give it to me. <laughs> right.
3: Do you only <laughs> <me> four <laughs> cartons of cigarettes? <laughs> he puts work. the shiv in the thing and he comes back and you're bleeding.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs>
2: the no, reason no, why shit. I use Bill Cosby as a segue into this week's CMO is uh what i do know for sure is that he's going to get heckled a segway into all segways there are going to be protesters who will buy that 80 to 90 dollar ticket just to disrupt the fuck out of that show ralph would you go to a comedy show if you knew there were people there who only wanted to disrupt this performance would i go Yes. Would you pay if you were a fan of whatever? I'm not even putting Cosby on your conscience. There's whoever you love as an entertainer live. If you knew for a fact when you go there, someone's just going to start screaming out right Yeah, and disrupt the show. Would you pay money for that live experience?
5: Would I pay for it knowingly going ahead of time? Probably not because I'm too old to get caught in that shit. But the bigger question is, what do you do if you pay for that? And it happens while you're there. And I kind of think that people, one way or another, kind of I'm not I don't I don't know if he's lost a fastball, Roy, is what I'm saying. And people tend to forget that the boy did play a pimp a couple of times on film. What if Cosby goes to prison and he comes out and he's
2: good? Does that I I don't what what doubt, happens at that point? I don't doubt his stand-up skill set. I just don't know if people mm-hmm. are going to allow him to perform, which brings me
4: Where are you going
2: to Wendell? Pierce. Wendell Pierce, we all know as Detective Bunk Moreland from The Wire, a wonderful television show. We also know him uh, currently from Jack Ryan. Wendell Pierce is also an esteemed Broadway actor and in a recent performance on Broadway, Uh, of Death of a Salesman, which he has been waiting his Mm -hmm. entire life to do. And theater is live. Theater is the pinnacle of shut the fuck up. And a heckler disrupted the show to the point that he had to break character in the middle of the show. And he told the heckler, quote, I've been waiting my whole life for this. Begging the man, begging the man to stop disrupting the show so that people could enjoy the performance. They had to raise the house lights and escort the person out of the Mm -hmm. fucking venue. And it literally took everybody out of the show. He
4: offered him his money back as well. He said, I will give you your money back. I will do it. I will do it. And as a thespian and someone with a degree in theater, I was
2: appalled. (laughs) (laughs) So for not coming off that stage. Mm Mm-hmm. And not beating the shit out of this motherfucker. The Everliving shit. For that, the wonderful Wendell Pierce, who can run <laughs> a goddamn barbecue grill like a professional. I had some of his ribs one time in Atlanta. That's a story for another day. <clears throat> for that, Wendell Pierce, you are Cody's most outstanding employee of the week. Yeah! the last ride for a little while with the job fair. So let's get into this first guest. Let's experience the world of HR. JG, who do we have on the line?
4: It's Patrick Colvin, and Patrick has two roles. First, he's the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer for the company that he works for. Second, he's the Head of Talent for this French-based financial company. And in those roles, he is tasked with building and fostering a diverse and inclusive culture across the company, along with overseeing initiatives that attract develop and retain diverse staff and so today patrick will be sharing with you roy a few stories from his more than 15 year career
2: in hr hello patrick
6: hello thank you for having me bonjour
2: now, what I hear for your worship first Urge you to fire a lot of motherfuckers Back in the HR days You didn't talk about uh, this I and mean, being appropriate And companies was do the right thing. Tell us about the people you sent home, Patrick Tell the truth right now
6: That is certainly a part of it, right? That was a certainly part of my job for a long time uh, you know, letting people letting people go. But I think for the most part, I guess that's, that's probably a myth of HR, too. Most people that get into human resources, they, they want to be a partner. They want to create a positive environment that's productive and all those other good things. Right. But what people don't understand is HR a lot of time is the messenger. A lot of times, HR personnel, they don't have any authority. We make recommendations off of things. And based off of that, the managers, the, the leadership, the executive team, they can either heed that recommendation or not. You know, I've had situations where I'm letting people go and I've done mass layoffs, mass reductions, Man. of course, uh, you know, one on stuff Give like me a that. Give me a number. Define mass. Mass. Hundred people in eight hours that I had
2: to do. Yes, and it was across time zones. Jacqueline, did you just say yes in a celebratory tone? Absolutely. You are so confusing. So, (laughs) when you're doing so, then let's just stay right in that pocket. Mass firings. Uh, uh, What are we doing this over? We're doing this over Zoom, face to face. Is it an email? What's the move? Phone call. How do you handle this?
6: You're trying to do as many face to face as possible because you want to have outplacement on site. You want to be able to give people, you know, all the information necessary. You want to help set them up for success in terms Mm. of what's going to happen next for them. And a lot of times these were industries in which people didn't have transferable skills to go do something else. Right. So if you did one thing your whole life for 30 years and now I'm telling you, you can't do that. My first thought is, well, how are you going (laughs) to. Right. Right. I got two kids in college. You know, that's what they would tell me. I got two kids in college. How am I supposed to do this? Right. So I always tell people, if you get to a point in which laying off people becomes very transactional for you and it it you don't feel anything from it then you need to get out of hr and look people have called me out my name people have thrown things at me i've had people cry i've had people beg me on their knees for a job i've had all types of stuff happen right
2: Who, who's easier to fire black employees or white employees Go. Oh
6: respect Ooh, man that's a great question i mean i've i've, I've i'll give you two stories So (laughs) I was I was letting I was letting go of this uh, This black woman And Uh You know, she was calling me all out, my name and everything else. And it was real fiery. And then it got real emotional. And then she wanted to pray with me. Right. And so that was a a weird, unique type of thing. Right. It was it'll give you everything. And then I had a situation where I let go of of a white male and he wasn't trying to hear anything that I was trying to say. The company was offering him severance and all these other things. And I was trying to explain those things to him. And he must have called me a bitch about 15 times. And I let it go every single time because I know you just lost your job. You highly emotional. I'm not the guy that's taking your opportunity away. I'm just a messenger. So I let it go. And I had to walk this young man off the premises. I had to walk him to the elevator. And I remember opening the elevator, the elevator door opening. He stepped into the elevator with security. And as the elevator doors were closing, he said, if you weren't in this office, I'd kick your ass. So immediately, that was the one day in my career in which I saw red. So the doors and closed, and I instantly was pressing that button to open those doors. I went downstairs to find Get him far. on 8th Ave <laughs> in front of the subway. Let's go. And he wasn't about that action, and he ran down and caught that train. Yeah, Pat.
5: Yeah, Pat. What? That's a beer for me. I don't care. So
6: that was the one day in which I did not think about my career, I did not think about my family. It was just you just disrespecting me. Disrespect. Yes, don't let this sweater fool you. I'm coming downstairs. Say word. What are some
2: mistakes that people make during job interviews? that Mm. late help them
6: late. Mm. Well, damn. (laughs) 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 People show up late. People show up unprepared. People don't do Uh their homework on the organization. People Mm -hmm. can't articulate, you know, what their experiences is, what they've done, how that transfers to the role that they're looking to, you know, acquire from the new organization. Mm. And last but not least, people do not negotiate. People do not talk about money. Mm -hmm. People, and when I say people, I mean specifically black and brown communities. Uh We have been taught to put our head down, just do the work, and somebody's going to tap us on the shoulder and tell us we did a great job and promote us. And that is not how it goes. Right? You got to advocate for yourself. And in the very beginning, you got to negotiate. You got to understand when you start that job, you have the most leverage that you will ever have at that organization at that time, Mm. they have basically said, we want you. You are number one choice. Everybody knows that there's a drop off between your number one and your number two. Mm. So a company is not going to lose you for $5,000 more, $10,000 more, because it's costing them money every single day to keep that position vacant. Mm. And they got to worry about their staff that's doing all the extra work until they fill that position. So I tell people, you got to ask for it. You got to know your value. You got to know all those things. And you got to be open for that. And on the flip side, as an organization, as an HR, we're expecting you to negotiate. We know that there's room in, in our range. You think we're just going to offer you the top of the range just because. Right. Don't work that way. Right. I want I want you to come back to the table and tell me that you deserve more money because that's confirmation that you're the right person for the job because you believe that you can come deliver for me. Even if it's not monetary, you need to be asking for more. You think that a company really is going to care if their policy is two weeks vacation and you say, I would like three weeks of vacation. You think they're going to lose you for that? No, they're not. Or the fact that, you know, there's uh, commutation, there's there's, you know, gym stipends, there's clothing allowances. There's so many different things that you can ask for and you can negotiate. You can negotiate when you get your first performance evaluation right because if you're coming into the organization at the end of the year they're doing their performance evaluation you don't get evaluated so now you got to wait a whole year maybe sometimes 18 months before somebody evaluates you and you get an opportunity to get a raise right so there's so many things that people can ask for um to, to make sure that they're setting themselves up for success so i
4: got a company car and lived around the corner. Who cared?
2: You
6: be scamming. Sign on bonus. Scamming. You be
2: scamming so hard. All <laughs> types of stuff. Scamming. HR is for the company.
6: I'd like a car, please. Make sure it's and they you. said yes. Yeah. They, they saw <laughs> your value. And they said if, if 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 it takes a car to get her, then that's what we're gonna do.
4: Okay, I'm curious. You've been in the HR game for 15 years. Can you share your thoughts about or how it's done when HR has to interview people? Let's just say who are qualified per se, even though they already know who they really want to hire. That's
2: the nice thing about way the I NFL. Just say you're talking about the NFL, Rooney. No. Run.
4: No, no, I'm saying when corporations come knocking on my door because they're trying to fill a senior VP role and Mm. that candidacy has to include people of color, people that are qualified. However, we already know they're going to hire the cousin's nephew's uncle or however that's going to go. Can you shed a little light on that or don't touch it if you don't want to. But we know it's real.
6: It's very real. I mean, I think you have organizations that are very performative, you know what I mean? They will advertise a job. Mm. They will say that we need a diverse slate of of women and and minority candidates to be interviewed and, and considered for this role. And you'll have situations in which that role doesn't even exist. Right. They're just using that to kind of pipeline or keep their talent warm or to have fresh resumes, things of that nature. Right. But really what they're doing is they are killing their name in the street and you're giving a horrible candidate experience. You're either intentional about it and you're serious about it or you're not. Because a lot of organizations will say that our numbers are this, we are moving toward that, we've made X amount of progress in X amount of time. But what they won't tell you is how they did it. You know what I mean? And you can fudge numbers, you can manipulate data any way that you want it to. I can tell you that we've done this and it might be accurate if I look at it from a six-month you know, projection. But if I pull that out for 12 months, it's going to be completely different.
4: I was just going to share that I had a headhunter major company. The first time I sat down with this person, we had an amazing conversation. Of course, it was over food. So that meant I was getting even closer. So I just went ahead and asked him, I said, why are we playing this game? The company that you're representing, they already know who they want to hire. I even know who they want to hire. This man on the spot offered me eight hundred dollars an interview if I would just keep doing these things. That's dirty pool. Whoa.
2: Whoa. Now that's, that's a scam a- for your ass, right? Sure. Sure. That's, a- that's a a Dirty Pool. Yeah. Wow.
4: And I've since stopped taking those headhunter calls, but yeah.
2: Well, sound like you leave money on the table. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
4: No. There's someone out there who really wants that job, and I'm not gonna play their game.
2: Patrick, I need you to hang around. Now we're gonna talk to Rod. We're gonna talk to Rosteroot about Five Dogs' album. But then we got to come back to you to talk about the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how companies be scamming it a little bit. And I think JG got a story about some scam she be running. And boy, JG, you be scamming. It's the job fair. We'll be right back.
0: So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Job Fab, we got Patrick standing by for Scam of the Week. We're going to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and uh, you're going to get to ride. But first... Got a two time about to step up in here and um, yeah. talk about what it's like because I've always wondered that they're like, what is that journey like creatively when a musician passes and they have unreleased music? What is the process of putting that music out? What is the mm. process of developing that music and getting all that together? And we all know Fife Doll from a tribe called Quest. JG, who do we have on the line?
4: It's Dion Rosterroot Liverpool back for a second time on the job fair to discuss the process he went through in creating and crafting the album life forever he also allowed us to use some of the music from the album to illustrate the final
2: results yes yes this is a job fair first You'll never understand the battles we go through mm-hmm. to play music on this. Sh- Most music you hear is produced and owned by Viacom. I get an email once a week. Hey, what's the name of the theme song? I sure would like to download it because uh, Viacom if owns if it can, and theirs and they don't want it in the streets. Nope. Yeah, but if you email me, me still, I still send that shit out though. I don't think oh! It. You, on the low, you, know what I'm saying? you know what, man? This this I'm excited, man, because we get to use music. Like, we get to use actual y- y- Y'all don't understand how hard it is to get music on a podcast, but we got this. We have actual tracks from Fife Dog's album, Fife Dog Forever, that was produced by a wonderful, wonderful guest. This is this is uh what's this from um, Ralph? Forever? Yeah, this is forever. The bitch roster roots. It's overdue. But Dion, first and foremost, um, we know you make these shells as well. So talk to us a little bit about smoking shells.
7: Yes, definitely. So I have a company called Smoking Shell. I developed these
5: a few years ago. Nah, okay. Well, this is what I know. I know you developed yeah. these a while ago. And what makes them very unique is you can personalize them to each DJ to have your own name, your own DJ name. I know Jazzy Jeff, and know a couple of cats have the shells. Correct. Um, yep. And and also he also did a good job on the sound quality of the shows too. On some nerdy audio shit, Roy. Third, I was listening to this album
2: before we got on. Can we mm. can we play Frick Kiss? Just dance, just dance. I know that ain't got none of the scratches in it, but I just, just I'm sorry. Good music is uh, good music. Just dance, just dance. Just dance. Just You know what's weird, third? Like you don't know when you're listening to a bad sound till you hear a good sound. That's mm-hmm. so kind of, true. Like audio, That's like true. like, cause you can hear a song and sometimes the song sounds underwater, yep. or it doesn't have quite the right mix to it, but. You won't hear all the highs sometimes like you won't hear like JG
5: tells us all the time when men can't hear very high things. But when a song is mixed badly, you don't hear the hi hats of the of the drum kit. You don't hear the cymbals. You don't hear all the stuff to round out the sound. So the song sounds complete, which is what I like about the needles. They're very clear about that. I want you to talk about making that album with somebody who wasn't here.
7: Man, it's so crazy. (laughs) Like. I'm gonna show you right now. Like this is mm. this is the hard drive right here that has he wrote that himself. It says Fife, it's probably backwards on there. But this hard drive contains all the music or pieces or acapellas, beats, ideas was all on here. And luckily, you know, somehow or another I ended up with it in us working back and forth. So I always like to say he left us with the blueprint of what he wanted because we started working on it together when we were recording the Tribe album in '15 he and I were like heavy working on his own stuff Mm -hmm. while he was at tips house at night recording. We'd come home in the afternoon and do things for his album. So he was well on his way. It just was completely probably 40% complete. So we had to take those pieces and everything we had and, it's like a big puzzle on the table and you had to put the pieces together. Amazing. We're the rare gems here to repair
8: hymns The ceiling for the crack Sons of men who walk the far lot of Grammys and plaques With the IRS on their back A mismanaged life But still manage to miss strike Damn, I miss How fight,
5: fight How did you take those concepts? Because there's some of the songs on there. For example, there's a song called Dear Della where it's, it's Q-tip talking with Fife talking to J Dilla who's passed but in the hook mm-hmm. is Q-Tip talking to both of them in heaven get
9: up. Get up. there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about you I keep my head to the sky cause I know Fife's dead too and when I get there God let your music will move out of space and y'all both left them up
5: yeah. And it's like a heavy song. Like it's just like the concepts on, on some of those songs, man, were just brilliant. Can you talk about how to?
7: It's funny you say that because Dear Dilla, I did the original Dear Dilla in 14 with Fife, but I sampled like everything. I'm in like 12 different samples. So when we got the sample quote back. It was like $37,000 to clear that the samples on that song. So we were kind of in, in the mode of saying, you know what, let's just scrap this song. But I said, well, let, why don't we just reproduce it and make a different version of it? And then I started mm-hmm. working on what you heard on the album. And then that feature with, um, it's so weird. Fife did the song for Jay Dilla saying, I'll see you one day. And then mm-hmm. fast forward two years and they're, you know, in the same kind of space and place, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I we talked to Kuta for two years of of getting him as a feature, but we didn't know which song. He happened to pick the one that I produced, which would have been, last time on record together you know symbolically mm-hmm. what you hear at the beginning of this song is actually him yo, sending me a voice note up, yo what chorus you want me to do you, you said you want me to do a chorus which one
5: oh, it which literally song? sounds like he was talking to fight on it's that crazy song. man it's I, crazy. I, I, I can tell you that um, and I, and I can just finish after this actually I, I enjoy listening to people's music like I'm, a, I'm still a huge music head hip-hop mm-hmm. house you name it I couldn't listen to that album from top to bottom without shedding like the most serious man tears because it's like Fife is talking to you. Like this dude, it was like, and so I remember trying to call you and tell you like, yeah, I had tears in my eyes when I was Mm. talking to you like, dog, this shit has gotten me stuck. Like I couldn't move. It was like he was talking
2: to you from beyond Mm -hmm. the grave. You know what I really appreciate about this? It's just how surreal this feels because it's almost a different listening experience when you know the weight behind the artist, right? Like the, the surreal, the surreality, the surreal, the surrealness, the surreal. That's not a word. The surreality
5: of Cheryl's Big Son, yeah. for example, the track just yeah. kind of floats behind you sometimes. And I felt like that kind of had to be a little surreal, even for you to listen to it once it was done, because you were very close to it.
7: Yeah, for sure. as my best friend. Um, you know, when you go through working on a posthumous album, nobody gives you the the blueprint of how to do it. So we were just going with what we felt was best, what we wanted to present as his legacy and what we know he would want. You know, so yeah. as I'm working on the album and getting towards the end of it, and I, me meaning us as a collective, um, I didn't have an expectation or worry about were people going to accept it or were people going to like it or hate it. I, I didn't think like that, which normally – releasing something into the world. You think about that mm. for some odd reason, this album didn't give me that anxiety. I was happy that it was complete. I knew that completing the album was a part of my mourning, a part of my grieving mm. process. And that by getting it out in the world, it would also free me from, you know, listening to his voice every day for six years. You can't get mm. away from that. You know what I mean? No. Uh, a person with that profile, they're always talking about tribe and fife, So you can't, you can't escape it. You know mm. um, your, your reaction to the album is, is what everybody has said They said the album Was an emotional experience for them yeah. You know um, And it, and I didn't think about that either But people Were listening to it Having these moments of Of doubt Did I make the right decision Did I mourn my father's death uh, Should I make up with my friend Who you know If I've said it all in an album and Yeah like, the song The song Sorry Man was, I think it's like mm-hmm. the third track on the album
8: mm-hmm. Can I make
5: I literally got halfway through the song and had to pause it. Like I couldn't, like literally tears just rolled out. That's down crazy, my face. man.
7: That's I'm and, I'm happy uh, to hear that, man. Like yeah. that, that means his people, you know, it, it touched is, people,
5: you know? Yeah, man. Y'all you that did, is, you, did it, you did it, you did it. You did you did him proud, bro. That's all I'm saying. Thank
7: you, man. man. I really, really appreciate proud. that. Seriously. For the last time for a long time,
2: oh. he comes to us middle Tennessee we call the segment Breaking the Ice it is an opportunity for you to not read the papers and not visit no websites and come up with topics that you could share with co-workers that you can't stand and um, hopefully break the monotony of a shitty ass job to help us do that he is our resident white people black people ologist he loves the peanut butter whiskey Uh, Ladies, if you go outside and uh, put a little bit of that on the back of your knees, you will feel a tingling feeling Mm. moving up your thighs because he will have appeared. His mama named him Murado. We call him Rod for short. Rod, as quick as you can. How was your holiday? I know you're normally a purveyor of juggling multiple women, so you normally get a couple of variances of gifts. Uh, What did the women, did the women get you anything this year Did you not want to be, you know, on the hook? For Valentine. Oh no, I
3: got, I got, I got hooked up, man. Uh, clothes and shoes and cash and video games. You know, all, all everything you need, everything you want. But, uh, you know, it's
5: real wild, Roy. He getting all these gifts. He getting all these gifts.
3: He's celibate. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's passion. Your light shines from within. <laughs> you don't need to use your genitals. Let them know, Rod. Right. I'm just radiating. It's my aura. I'm just such a great person.
2: Okay. You know? All right. Let's just stop right there. Um, <laughs> we bring Rod <laughs> on this program to give you some stories. What you got for us this week, Rod? Let's start the new year off, right?
3: Uh, let's start the new year off uh, with a story from a, a, a recent episode we did. Uh, the good folks at Frontier Airlines. Boo have announced that they are giving away free flight vouchers for people who adopt kittens from a local shelter in Las Vegas. There's three kittens. One named Frontier, one named Delta, one named Spirit. Frontier Airlines will give two vouchers (laughs) to two people who adopt Spirit and Delta and they'll give four flight vouchers to whoever adopts Frontier.
2: Now... The spirit, the spirit kitten is dead. But
3: what? what
2: Name an animal at this. It's like a having a kid named Greyhound. That kid got two
3: legs. That <laughs> kid named Trailways.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do you know about Trailways before the Greyhound merger? Jeez, on, we're ah, old. Ah, um, Rod, on, speaking, of, speaking of airlines, Rod, what say you to the Southwest Airlines fiasco? I don't know if you saw where Southwest Airlines pilot detailed 20 years of malfeasance and the focus on the corporate level on getting passengers on board instead of updating their system. So essentially mm-hmm. the systems crashed so bad that they didn't know where their crew was. They didn't know where the planes were. And they had to wow. basically control alt delete and get the reboot CD-ROM Mm-hmm. <laughs> and fire that bitch up from scratch again. A lot of people were stranded. There was a woman that was supposed to get married in the Belize. She lost her deposit. Missed her wedding mm. because of the Southwest fiasco. That's um, terrible. She was digging,
3: yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, it is. that's 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 why you, you make sure you don't skimp on the plane ticket when you gotta fly to a damn wedding in Belize. You... <laughs> You make sure you get a top-of-the-line <laughs> ticket, okay? Southwest is cheap. No disrespect. I love Southwest, but don't spend all your money on the damn destination wedding. They'd have to take a canoe to that motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> well,
2: she was doing Southwest to the, to the airport that had the direct flight to Belize. So it's not like Southwest mm-hmm. go all the way to, you know, it was mm-hmm. basically she was going to fly there, wait a day, then go back to the airport, and then go on on the next uh-huh.
3: plane yeah. well she had a whole day that's enough time to drive somewhere <laughs> you, <laughs> you ain't from that from fucking Houston <laughs> to fucking Belize
2: and no she could've of- got
3: to the other to the other airport where her next flight was
2: yeah, I guess, but at that point, you out of so much money on the day. I thing. just think
3: what? it's weird that everybody was upset that Southwest wouldn't fly when it wasn't safe for them to fly. Like, what the fuck are you upset about that they won't fly because they don't think they can right now? I don't okay. understand. It was more than upset that. about that, like they couldn't fly. Adequate equipment.
2: So no. To do? They had issues, I, real issues. You know what I feel like, though? I feel like every year one airline should just go, fuck it then, let's go, since y'all talking shit. <laughs> and eventually one of those, well, fuck it then flights is going to crash horribly. Oh. And then nobody will be misbehaving at the gate again. Yeah, that's what it takes. You need one good tragedy to truly change American behavior. When you see a crash, then y'all should, and make the flight free. How about this? All right.
8: <laughs> Roy, this what is wrong you? with
2: you? No, listen, this is literally what happened. The pilots were like, we don't have flight plans in the fucking computer. I don't nice. even know how to put in the computer where to go. Which means you just got to go old school, fucking Chuck Yeager, Amelia Earhart. <laughs> how about a <laughs> stars With a, yeah, you ain't got a compass stars? and a fucking three degree longitude, latitude ass shit. If right? y'all cool with me doing that, well, fuck it, then get that's in the enough. fucking plane. <laughs> <laughs> we might land, we might not. Oh, we
3: don't that's know. A, that's a, it's a free flight, right? <laughs> It's a free flight. The, like just That's America. That's whatever it totally. takes to get people to chill out at the airport. Yeah. Hey, listen,
2: listen. I know it's Christmas. Eve. No more seats. You can stand. You know what I'm saying? Just, just get on the fucking plane with me. And you have to learn how to fly by instrument anyway to get your pilot's license. So I know three degree left, three degree. But once you get to Philly, I don't know. If I'm in front of another, we might collide. We might hit another bitch in the air. We might finger, land in the cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> a cornfield. Slight little bump. No. I don't know how much fuel is on the plane because I don't know how much fuel was on the previous plane because that information's in the fucking computer. My that nigga, crashed. I don't even
5: know if your bags are on the plane, but if you want to go, I guarantee you they
2: ain't. They ain't ain't
5: no making it, but we gonna go. We no you can,
2: what's up? Matter of fact, let's we fit more niggas under the plane. There's no bags, so <laughs> come on underneath. You need a Snickers bar. Go ahead. <laughs>
5: We got play. We got do. We got dudes playing dominoes right outside the terminal. Make sure you can get on them last seat. So if you got, if you can hit a five or a fifteen, you might make it. But other than that, like I say, you go all the way out. They can compete for it. Good spades game. Whatever you need to do to compete, I support this.
3: I'm glad to see y'all changing y'all tune from the last time we talked about airplanes and airports and airlines and y'all was all up their asses. Oh, no, there's still... I'm a, happy to no. see you come around and be like, yeah, let's crash the plane to get people in order. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, there's still terrible Crashers. people. There's still terrible people that exploit passengers for profit and they sacrifice safety. I still stand I
3: don't want to fly. I, I was 100% in support of Southwest not flying for the last two weeks due to the storm and then all the rest of the shit that came along with it. I... I get it. If if McDonald's was like all our meats for, I wouldn't stand outside for playing it. I'd be like, thank you for not fucking cheating. Mm -hmm.
5: (laughs) (laughs) This is a very fair standpoint.
3: (laughs) Uh, uh, just, since uh, I was screaming about how how why you go get some meat. Is like won't you just go to Burger King to shut the fuck up? And <laughs> I <get this>
4: <laughs> Everybody can't jump from Southwest over to Delta. They don't have that kind of
2: money. And they were price gouging. The yeah, only,
3: they gonna give you a refund. Spend Christmas at the house and just. They you. won't give as much just out. One damn. Person. They will not give
4: as much of a refund as you imagine because you actually have to do paperwork. A lot of people who have to do that will not be doing it.
5: They don't come to ask either, brother. All
3: of that is better than dying. Call oh, I'm gonna get away. on the plane.
2: The podcast is Uncle Rod's Story Corner. Rod, as always, we thank you. I can't wait for us to be able to do this again. Yeah. Um. Let's get Good back honor. to it. Now scam it a week time. Uh, let's get back into this DE&I conversation here. Now, you know, how do you, how, do you, how do you keep black folk at your job? You know what I'm saying? Like when a DE&I employee mm-hmm. decides <laughs> to leave your company, Listen, Jacqueline, I'm trying to check all these boxes. Too many boxes to mention. I was, I was, uh, I was impressed you reached yeah. that far. But no, please yeah. continue yeah. to. Hello. Black and brown indigenous South Thank Pacific Islander person we not been who is also Nell disabled and is also Thank but still you. a very good person and body positive Thank when you. that employee decides to leave the company. hmm. Preach. When employees who decide to leave your company, who check any of those various boxes, decide to leave, Patrick, what is the process in attempting to retain them or do you just let them go?
6: Well, I think once you get to a point where someone is actually actively looking to leave your organization, it's pretty much over at that point, right? So I think you have to have mechanisms in place to be able to identify talent very early, right? Whether it's a black and brown employee, uh, someone from a marginalized population or uh, a, non, a white employee as well, right? You need to Run be able to have those you can say it. in place to be able to, you know, recognize that talent. And then, most of all, you got to cultivate that talent. You got to be developing that talent. Mm-hmm. You need to be having career conversations with that talent. You need to be showing that person where they can go, what their potential is, things of that nature. If you're not doing that, then what's going to happen is you're going to have holes in your bucket because you're going to be trying to attract and bring in diverse talent into your organization, but that diverse talent when they get into your organization, they don't see anybody who looks like them at higher levels in their organization. And over the course of, you know, whatever months or years that they're at the organization, if they don't see an investment in them, then they're going to look elsewhere for that. So once that happens, there's nothing you can do about it. So you have to be from the very beginning, you got to be hundred percent in. This ain't something that's going to happen overnight it's gonna take time for you to do this, right? A lot of these organizations are large organizations, historically, um, you know, uh, great organizations, things of that nature. You can't just turn a Titanic like a speedboat, right? If most of these organizations, if you wanna shift in a different direction, you gotta do it now to be able to feel the effect 10 years from now. And I think you also have to make sure that your, your, your employee population understands the benefit of diversity. Right. Because a lot of times people think it's a zero sum game. Well, for this person to win or that group to win, I have to lose. And it's not that way. Now, there are strategies in place that when you start diversity work and you start to have some success in it, there's going to be some marginalized populations and some targeted populations that see some immediate results and some immediate changes. Mm -hmm. That's that's a fact. But overall, diversity is great for the organization. Right. Diversity increases not only your productivity, your innovation, your ideation, your stakeholder return you know, your shareholder returns, things of that nature. Right. So that's just how it is. You know what I mean? So it's not a situation in which I'm giving something to someone else. And for me to give that to somebody else, I have to take away from, from you. It's not that way.
2: Yeah. What are the retention strategies when it comes to retaining, uh, to maintaining, to
6: basically creating and maintaining a diverse workforce? Well, I think there's so much conversation about diversity, right? And not to say that diversity is not important. You need diversity, right? You need diversity of ethnic background, gender, disability status, diversity of thought experience, education, background, all that other stuff. You need that. But most importantly, diversity is really nothing without inclusion. So you got to get to a point where you're creating an environment in which it's conducive to setting everybody up for success, right? And to your earlier point, it's about thinking beyond just equality and getting to a point of equity, right? Understanding that there's going to be different groups, different marginalized populations in your bank, and every single one of those groups is going to need something different. The starting line is not the same for everybody, right? From a racial and ethnic perspective, we know that there are systemic things that are in place that have kept marginalized groups from achieving certain things, especially within corporate America. And then when you drill down to financial services and investment banking, it's it's even yeah. more narrow, uh-huh. right? Um, so it's really about creating that environment that's conducive. You have to constantly cultivate your culture. You have to be mindful of the people in your organization. You got to have a pulse to it and you got to get to a point where you're creating a sense of belonging, right? Cause to your point, Roy, I've worked in organizations where I was the only black person at that organization, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like yeah. the only black person at that organization because of the mm-hmm. culture wow. there and how inclusive it was and vice versa. I've worked in places where there was a lot of minority, There are a lot of people that look like me and it still felt like we were being singled out and things of that nature. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the diversity piece of it. That's one component of it. It's an important component of it. But it's that culture. It's that sense of belonging. It's having people understand that, you know, there is education there's awareness there's a level and a foundation of respect here for everything right we got to be able to celebrate each other's differences we are all unique in a number of different ways and we need to celebrate those things but i think when you start to build a culture that celebrates people's differences what happens is people start coming together.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How can people get into this field of DE and I and HR? Like,
6: you know, look, a lot of people fall into HR, right? Uh, for me, it was very intentional. You know, I knew what I wanted to do and, and I went about it in a, in a very methodical way to kind of get into the field. But, you know, I think it's about transferable skills. You know, HR is very people focused. Right. So. You know, you have to find a way to highlight the fact that you are a team player, that you're willing to collab, that you have, you know, various soft skills. You got leadership skills, things of that nature. If you can do that, then you can find your way into HR. Right. And I tell people, Mm -hmm. you know, some of those entry level positions, whether it's an HR assistant, um, whether it's a recruiter, it's very easy to get into HR as a recruiter. Learn the organization, learn the profession itself, uh, various centers of excellence in which you can go down, whether it's benefits or comp or immigration or total rewards, whatever the case may be, and be able to figure out, you know, where you want to go, what interests you and things of that nature. Right. So it's not hard to get into HR. I think, you know, when you're talking about getting into diversity work, I think it all starts with, You know, aligning your passion and getting involved with certain uh, certain employee organizations. Right. Mm -hmm. So that can be employee resource groups in your organization that can be business resource groups that can be um, getting involved outside of your organization in grassroots or social justice or things of that nature. Right. Continuously to uh, educate yourself and continue learning about, you know, how diversity works, the various components to it, um, how you can turn that into strategy, things of that nature. So you can get into diversity a number of different ways is the same way as HR. It's really about what's going to be your plan. How are you going to be intentional? How are you going to move this organization forward? And if you can articulate that to anybody, you'll get an opportunity to do so.
4: Patrick, you've made HR sound like a heavenly place. I never want people to walk away from here thinking that that is the case. HR is for the company. (laughs) When people tell you things... You have to report if there's Mm -hmm. something in particular that's going to impact that company and that company's bottom line. So if you could just say a little bit about that, because Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to think they can come crying to HR about whatever. And that's going to stay in HR's office because, no, you sitting up there typing it right up. Boom. It's going right out the door. I I
6: think you. You know, you got it. You got to feel the person out. Right. You got to be willing to to, you know, uh, have a relationship or or see what that's about. Right. You can't go run into everybody because to your point, you know, your first priority is to the organization. But I think. I'm different in that. The people who brought me up and kind of poured into me, they were different in that. Right. They had a humanistic element to it. And look, there are some things. And I tell people, look, I'm going to have to, you know, report this. or I'm going to have to let somebody know. Right. If it's a danger to the organization or you find out somebody is about to be a danger to themselves. okay, I got to save you from yourself and I need to get the right people involved to make sure that no harm comes to you. Right. But there's been plenty of times throughout my career I've stuck my neck out for people. It could have been me on the chopping board and I was telling people, look, your attitude is this or your behavior is this. Or do you know they about to put you on, you know, written warning and things of this nature. Right. Like you need to get yourself together, especially when it's it's young, black and brown people. You know, you pull them to the side, you give them some game. Right. Right. Because there's no playbook or no, no, no book for how to operate in corporate spaces and how to operate predominantly white spaces. Right. They don't teach you that in college or nothing. Talk about that shit. Hell yeah. Right. You got to help people navigate their way through that. And you got to be be willing to give them some game. And if you want to continue doing that behavior, then you get what comes to you. But mm-hmm. I have a responsibility to give you some game. I need you to settle
2: the HR debate for me, Patrick. say we're going to take it home. Hey. <laughs> Let's say you and a friend show up to a company party, a company you don't work at, but y'all just at the party. And then one of the employees of that party, Company at that party where you, the company where you don't work, one of the employees grabs Jacqueline on the ass. Can I snitch to <laughs> HR of that company that their employee be grabbing asses at their parties, or is that just a free ass grab? Because Jacqueline won't snitch on who did it because mm. it wasn't that big of a deal and she doesn't want to make a big deal of it. But I'm gonna find this motherfucker, Patrick. Word. <laughs> word. Up.
6: Jacqueline is your girl so yeah you got a right and a responsibility to make sure that the person that did that you know what I mean that they're held responsible even
2: though Jacqueline doesn't work at that company and I don't work at that company this is still technically an HR issue because it happened at a company function right
6: that person is an him. agent of that company, and yes. so even if they're in a public space, they are representing that organization. Can,
5: so yes, can we invite him to meet us down on the corner of Eighth Avenue by the train station? <laughs> so we <can> just <laughs> in front of the train cheese. station you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Roy and Jacqueline like to be real corporate about things. My corporate bug is burnt. I can speak it. I just don't like it so much. So I will be the one to be like, "Look, y'all are doing the right thing. Just tell him to come down to the to the escalator. Need us Subway, yeah. Just oh, come 8, on 7, right right
6: in front of the Metro car machine yeah. go ahead and do <laughs> what you got Jacqueline I want his fucking
2: name I want his fucking name. Patrick thank you so much for coming on the job Brad. we got some yeah. family business to attend to man we appreciate you hey man I want to say one more thing to Patrick before he bounces
5: look for all those brothers that you gave advice and that didn't make it I'm gonna say thank you on their behalf Because the one thing that I do know is that when I worked back then, I had somebody wonderful that looked out for me in HR and gave me some solid ass advice. Um, And a lot of times, young brothers don't have anybody that talks to them about like doing stupid shit like dating or partying with the folks that you, you know, work with and all that kind of stuff. Because other people treat it like, you know, it's an easy thing. So, on behalf of them brothers that didn't make it, thank you, Patrick. I appreciate that.
2: Everybody loves you, except for that white dude that tried to fight you at the subway.
6: He didn't want. He didn't want any smoke. Thank you for having
2: me. Big thank you, Patrick. After the break, we're gonna bring it home. We're gonna do another double up here. My treat. We're gonna do an impromptu relationship fair with a reverend, and then we're <laughs> oh, gonna okay. talk about burnout. Why are you laughing, Jacqueline? Is a reverend a reverend? Reverends can't have sex too. <laughs> they can't have.
5: <laughs> You're know, the only reverend on the show. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: didn't say that Roy Wood
2: <laughs> lay hands wait a minute well, 23 for him the 23rd song yeah. oh. Was that <laughs> job fair we'll be right back
0: LASIK LASIK.com have a ton of questions about LASIK you're not alone So listen to Sixteenth Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Job fair, rounding third and headed for home. Uh, before we start talking about burnout and recognizing the signs of burnout, um, we got a really long email <laughs> from a motherfucker that apparently got done dirty by a woman. And um,
4: wait a minute.
2: Well, maybe he kind of did a dirty and Jack oh, and okay. clearly have a difference of issues on this brother. Um rather than reply to this email, I figured because he is a loyal day one episode one listener, would have him on as a thank you. This is the People's Podcast. JG, who is this sad motherfucker we about to <laughs> let rod? <It's- laughs> Man, it's
4: Pastor Ian Harris who made time for us, but not the person that he loves. So that's who it is.
2: You call a pastor Uh-oh. a sad motherfucker? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ah, Uh-oh. You <laughs> I love it. Pastor, Uh-oh. welcome on the show. Love y'all. A little impromptu relationship fair here as we um, wrap up this episode. Now, you sent us a ridiculously long email that <laughs> read rather sad and I'm gonna let you lay out everything as best you can with this woman. You know, you live in New York, and she live, what is she in Austin? Get where was she? In? Houston. Houston. Okay. Huh. New York to Houston. That's a four-hour flight. That's a long, long-distance relationship right there. For real. Take it. Take it from around Christmas. Uh, however you want to tell the story, but just lay it's it all about out. Christmas. One. Oh yeah. yeah, this is fresh. This red is red. Fr- oh Rod, oh, brother shit. Ian, brother Ian was one of the, you. Talk about Southwest. This was one of the brothers sleeping in the airport. He probably still ain't got his bags. Take it away. Let <laughs> <laughs>
1: right.
8: so, me give you the bridge version. Met a woman at work years ago. Mm. Um, we got together. First mistake. Um, yeah, got together <laughs> during the pandemic. Things worked out. Um, she was from Houston. I'm from New York. We both working in Atlanta. Mm. Um, Atlanta started tripping Things started loosening up I had an opportunity to go back home I got back home realized Ain't no reason for me to go back to Atlanta So mm. th- now we had a distant relationship She realized Atlanta's trash So she moved to Houston So we doing the New York to Houston thing for about two years oh, um, shit. Yeah it's crazy Finally convinces woman to move from Houston to New York Without a ring you got a woman to move Without but the ring was coming before she actually moved that's what her okay. mistake So But we'll go ahead. So the weekend she comes, the weekend I'm going to propose, um, we get into an argument. I'm proposing that Saturday. We get into our argument that Thursday. I wake up, go to work, get a text message saying, It's over. I go speeding home. Speeding home in New York City is being stuck in traffic for 90 minutes.
3: How long has she been in town?
8: <laughs> she got there the night
3: before, she got there Wednesday. Y'all argue Thursday. She broke up with you Friday morning.
8: No, Thursday morning. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Thursday morning. <laughs> it was going. a really bad argument. So I'm speeding home. I walk through the crib. My key's on the on the counter, and I'm blocked on everything. Social media, phone, blah, blah, blah. I reach out to a mutual friend. She's like, where she's at. Mutual friend's like, yo, I'm sorry to tell you, she's at the airport. What
3: kind of argument did y'all have? Y'all to say, what the hell thank hell you want argue about? There was nothing you could it was, argue. It was, about. was in town, Y'all was together two years. She was in town for twenty four hours and she left.
2: <laughs> now it was a, it was a culmination of months just being a jerk. That's that volcano been bubbling. That's why I ain't even asked. Yeah, it's a, it was a culmination of months of
5: just being a jerk. So y'all were arguing when you came in the crib. You saw her the first time y'all was arguing, too. what
3: you lie about your apartment being more than five square feet or some shit? <laughs>
2: so she leaves town. You she come home, town. she's gone, she leaves town. Yeah. How do you get this woman
8: back? All right, so what happens is, I mean, I'm blowing up phones. I'm, I'm borrowing my homie's phone, trying to, because I'm blocking on everything. So she finally, give, you know, talks to me. Um, she like, it it's a dub. Long story short, I'm not coming back. So, yeah, it's rough. It's crazy. I heard Rory's story about the breakup. I was like, yo, I felt it. I'm um, like, I can't yeah, eat. I you, was can't ready to take
2: that, you was ready to take that rain back to Zales and get your $700 back from <laughs> Keith and Terry. <laughs> okay, anywho, um, I, can't eat, can't sleep, blah, blah, blah. You
8: know, my mind's everywhere. I'm I'm in church thinking about it. I'm at work thinking about it. It's just crazy. Um, so eventually I'm like, I know Christmas is coming because we did the distance joint. We never got to spend Christmas together. Um, the year before me, like everybody else in New York City caught COVID, I was supposed to go down there. So in my mind, I know I'm going to spend Christmas. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to exchange gifts, be like this big gesture. Mm-hmm. Southwest had a ticket for $1,600. dollars Oh, am like, ooh. All right, let me go ahead and jump on this. So I finally get to Houston and I hit her up and I'm like, yo, I really just want to exchange gifts. So like, I know if it's too much for you. Um, we can be here in a public place. I really just want to exchange gifts. We we meet um, We meet Sunday night. She brings me a plate. We exchange gifts. We have like the long four-hour conversation. All the stuff I didn't say during the relationship.
4: Oh, my God. I say.
8: And she was like, well, why didn't you say this before? All right. So she leaves. Like, don't even want to give me a hug like that. She's like thinking. It's ruminating. So the next day, um, we meet. She, she had a gift. She took the gifts with her. She took the gifts with her. You didn't
4: eat that food, did you?
8: I did. It was good. Totally ate that food for sure. (laughs) All right, so so fast forward. So we on Monday, everything is everything is cool. We had lunch, blah blah blah. blah. I'm prepared to go. Then Southwest decides to cancel everybody's mama's tickets. So now you're stuck in Houston. So I'm stuck in Houston. Southwest is not booking until like. Next Monday. Now this is Monday, so not booking for yeah, a week. Yeah, like a now. week. You, you down bad for a week, yeah. And now uh, this is before they cap the prices for the other flights. Like Delta wanted eighteen hundred. All oh, this. Yeah, wow. so I get an American. I get an American flight that Friday for fourteen hundred dollars. Mind you, I'm extending my hotel stay for another five days. It works out that five days is great for us. Okay. So that was a good thing. But after everything is said and done between the hotels, the flights, be waiting in the airport, blah, blah, blah. I'm down about four grand. Easy. Um, Southport's like send all the receipts. I had to send all, to JG's point, so I sent all the receipts for the hotel, the airline, the upgrades. I kept the full receipts. I sent the receipt from Del Frisco's. They're probably not going to accept that, but it is what it is.
2: Um, Good move, bro. Good move. <laughs> at what point does she hit you back, Ian? Does she get back at you at all? So long story short, instead of flying back to LaGuardia, I fly
8: back at 3 a.m. to Newark, and she texted me like, well, I'm glad you got home safely. I really enjoyed my week with you. So now fast forward, I'm over here, sending receipts to Southwest, Mm-hmm. calculating everything and she's like well when do you want to fly back to Houston I don't want to see a plane anytime soon <laughs>
4: so you don't want to see her that's what you just
8: no, told I'm, her I'm
2: going to because it's worth it I'll, I'll take but show. you
4: told her you didn't want to see her when you said I don't want to see a plane
8: soon okay. but go oh, ahead I, I didn't.
2: Nah. okay so you I'm and this woman are back in correspondence is that what I'm understanding Ian we are alright question one and then I'll hand it over to Rod. Why the fuck didn't you propose when you took your ass down there? So in the first goddamn place? question.
8: So not question. When we go to Del Frisco's she asked me, she's like, you're not proposing, are you?"
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I said, "No, no, no, no. I just wanted to sit down. You should have sent that receipt for that ring to the southwest. <laughs> for
1: real."
4: <laughs> <laughs> Did you have it on you? You had to on you? you didn't want to marry this woman. You didn't want to marry her.
8: I
3: absolutely do. No, you don't. Do. You would have asked regardless. Not after she was like, "You're not proposing, are you?" Because fuck that shit. <laughs> I'm thinking it's a
8: no. I'm thinking I'm aborting mission on that one. Regrouping. Yeah, yeah. Read the room. Good call. If I you wanted, right want yeah. mm. she didn't want it.
5: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know. She made that really damn clear. Like
3: he told me, she literally said, "You're not proposing, are you?"
5: <laughs> that would be a sign to me as a single man. Maybe not now. Maybe, maybe not, not
3: here. now. you know, right. a
2: lot of women had a proposal already scripted out in their head, and if you're in the wrong location, they're going to say no because <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to be done. Now should Ian still continue to talk to this woman? And if not, how
3: should he break it off? Ooh. This all came from um, to a coworker. She She left you pretty high and dry. She got off the plane with an attitude. 24 hours later, she was Broke up with you and went back across the country. Nah, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have said a word. To her. I wouldn't have left work. I'd have just texted, to leave my key on the counter. I agree. I wouldn't even. I, I would have been like, oh, I'm out of this, motherfucker." You don't block me on your, i That sound like some middle school shit. Yes. I would have, have been done with her right off the rim. Y'all, y'all need to get the fuck away from each other.
2: <laughs> yes. Hang on now, Jacqueline, on some romance fight for your love type shit, is it really simping to break 1600? Is it really simping to go four G's in the hole for a woman that you really want to be with and you've realized after the fact that you fucked up? I think every man... There's a lot of men who meet their soulmate and don't realize it till after they've already fucked it up. Fucked it up.
3: Hey man, oh, man. to think about old girl who boyfriend worked at Footlocker yeah. This is not about <laughs> catching crabs in Fairfield. Oh this is Fairfield yeah, I, I,
5: I can't even partially hold the argument of you know, well, she gave me uh, crabs, but I want to marry her anyway. That that ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna work. Yeah,
3: I I, I think that's a major sipping, mostly just because. It didn't end in like everything that happened in Houston could have happened over the phone. If you love this woman and she really is the one and it really was you fucking up and not her. It wasn't you or her. A hundred percent. It was me. Okay, so you did. So you didn't deserve a a 15th chance. But she decided to give you one. And then you went through all that trouble and she still like, are y'all back together? Like y'all engaged now?
8: We good. No, not engaged, but we're good. I haven't asked because, remember, we went to Del Frisco's before the state
3: came out. Are you talking about a different New York City or Brooklyn than the one I'm thinking of? There's women there, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why are you putting up with all this shit from somebody on the other side of the country? There's literally millions of chicks right outside your door.
2: When you feel like you have the one, you go after the one. I feel like you should propose,
5: but I feel like you should do it right. I feel like you should do it right.
3: Ian, do not propose. She doesn't want you to propose. She wants you. Okay. It sounds like where you at now is a probationary period, to where she wants to see if you're serious about everything you apologize for, and then maybe in a couple months. Maybe it'll be time to get get
2: engaged. It's but it's still it's easier for her to just deal with a cat that makes her feel good and makes her feel good about herself, even if she doesn't truly want to be with him. That's good enough for right now, which is wasting Ooh. my dog Ian's time. So you fucking put all the chips in, you go all in, like Willie D said, hook a left in the Popeyes and bailed out quick. If it's going
3: down, let's get this shit over with. So whoever the fuck we gonna be us figure it out right now yeah i mean that's real i mean y'all y'all but y'all did a lot of back and forth there's been a lot of money spent a lot of time two years yeah you need to just sit her down on the on the phone please and <laughs> don't say propose phone, marry- no. on. On. don't propose
2: over the phone hang on hang on definitely don't propose over the phone i want to marry you <laughs> don't
3: do you want to marry me if you don't want to marry me then let's just cut it off right now. Ain't no ain't there ever gonna be no right time if she don't want you to propose. So you need to just tell her, listen, I'm all in. If you're not all in, then we need to stop talking. There's no point in continuing this dance. It's been thousands upon thousands of dollars, thousands upon thousands of miles, two years during the pandemic. Yeah, let's just let's just get a clean slate popping. Do
4: not propose to her. And let me tell you why because the two of you do not know how to communicate. All you're doing is getting ready to be divorced. So unless you all go sit down and learn how to communicate, two years of something that you're just piling on top of each other, that's a recipe for disaster. That's why you're in this situation right now.
3: Y'all ain't really been in a relationship. it have been long distance for two years. Yeah. And then the minute y'all move in together, 24 years later, she runs back home. And when you show up on some night and shot and armor shit, she like, you're not proposing, are you? It, it don't sound like she down.
4: Ian, so listen to right me. So Jacqueline is right
3: about that, man. Y'all, you need to have that conversation with her. Are we doing this or are we not doing this? We ain't got to get married now, but like, are we trying to be together? Because if not, then let's just say fuck it.
2: Well, brother Ian, we thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. We appreciate you. Thank you for being a listener.
5: Good luck, Ian. Good luck, home. I'm pulling for you, bro. I, yeah.
2: I think burnout is something that we don't talk about enough cause we live in a society where uh, an American society, I'm not talking global, but in America, if you don't fucking do all this work, then you ain't a team player. And you quitting on me, goddammit. We've been working 53. Mm-hmm. Hey Jacqueline, I know you can't feel your toes, but I need you to oh. stay
4: two more shifts. No. Cause
2: we're to meet these numbers, it's time to meet the numbers, goddammit, and we need you here.
4: No, unless I'm getting a bonus, I'm not staying.
2: We ain't giving you shit, but you get the reward of knowing that you fucking cared about the team and you was willing to sacrifice.
4: I don't care about the team. Uh, no, no.
2: Um, y'all got the nicest
5: bosses because my bosses would never say like sacrifice. They just say, you know, you need this job, right? And then like you stuck. you can't go nowhere when you in the situation. But situations. see, my daddy I'm and
4: concerned. my mama taught me to never be in that situation have multiple streams of income in case somebody tells you they don't need you anymore. I'm like, okay.
2: I like your daddy. Your daddy kept like three, four hustles on the side, didn't he? Absolutely. I'm about to say had to.
4: And you. had us cleaning yeah. buildings at night, but that's a whole nother story.
2: What kind of <laughs> child labor camp were you raised in? Nope. Not at all. But today we're talking about beating burnout. You know what burnout is, and then you, and after that, you, am I burnt out? Oh. You know, am I burnt? You know, like I think that's, I think that's a fair way to try and okay. split this up a little bit. But uh, JG, who do we have on the line?
4: It's Jason, and he lives in the Midwest as a program manager for state government, and he recently wrote into the job there about his personal experience with burnout, and today he'll be talking with you, roy about what burnout looked like for him, steps he took to address it on the job, and what he does now to stay healthy. Hi, Jason.
9: Hey, how y'all doing? What
2: up? I I, I don't know if you know a little bit about me, Jason, but I work at a television show where the host just was just like, yeah, yeah, I think this is going to be the end for me in a little while. Thanks for having me as the host. I heard that. Which came as a shock to a lot of people. And so there were a lot of conversations, you know, around, you know, a lot of the different causations, you know, and, you know, one thing that Trevor Noah talked about was the desire to do other things and to be able to sit still and be honest with himself about what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And the more he thought about the things that he wanted, the Daily Show did not fit into that equation anymore. And he was bold enough to walk away from that. Now, talk to us a little bit about just how you started coming to grips or just the general realization of, you know what? I don't think I like where I'm at right now. Sure.
9: Sure. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm the I'm the typical overachiever. I mean, I want to I want to I want to okay. do all the things I want to do. them Well, I, I don't settle for anything less than perfect and excellent, which is I, I mean, no. honestly, that's a that's a setup for failure, uh, as I'm realizing. Um, where I have that bar set so high. So um, as I'm as I'm working and taking on more. I just wouldn't turn down a task. I wouldn't turn down an assignment. Um, we need somebody to do this. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm your man. I'm gonna do that. Uh, can can we get a volunteer to? I'll do that. Um, and it, a
4: volunteer. It, yeah. Want no cash associate. Wait a minute, Jason. You no, know, I
9: figure I'm working. I Sometimes might as well. You just I might as well keep heart, working. Heart. But for the love right. of the game, might as well keep working. <laughs> up. I hear that. But how many? You know, how many irons can you have in a fire at one time? And. Uh, Yeah. And it just it it just started to catch up with me, Um, you know, and and thinking about, I guess, if you want, I can go into the kind of talk about how that how I started to realize I was in burnout mode. Um, Mm. And and a lot of it came from just being with my family and and realizing that I'm not as available as I should be, as I once was. I'm I'm focused. I've always got work in the back of my mind, even when I'm trying to relax and just enjoy life. I've still got projects running through my head and assignments and looking at the next day, not, not looking forward to the next day, but l- looking at what I'm going to have to do. Um, yeah. I, I tried to not look at my phone or not look at email, but it's all still in my head and I'll, I'll just keep dwelling on that. Um, and that was, that was really the start of, of the burnout cycle and, the, the uh, just that trajectory down.
5: Were you were you lucky enough to mentally realize that you were going through burnout, or did something physical manifest itself to say, like, "Holy shit, I need it's, to call
9: down"? Uh, it's both, really. Um, so, really? so I, I have both things. Um, you know, having been a in in therapy for so many years. Like, we realize that that's good for us, so we get into therapy. We have somebody to talk to, and that's important. Um, and it, it was all of that really started to pay off when I could recognize that um, I'm not doing well psychologically, emotionally, I'm I'm hurting.
2: Um, so, so Jason, when you are dealing with these different feelings that are manifesting themselves physically and emotionally, walk us through the day you quit the job. How did you quit the job? Like when you finally say, you know what, I'm not right. I don't know how to fix it yet, but I do know Continuing to show up here in exchange for money will kill me. Fuck y'all. I'm hitting the door. Walk us through that day of you quitting the job.
9: Right. So so I actually I had a a step before quitting, which is I think I think it's important for people to realize that um, if you're in a a, if you're in if you have employment where you're able to access your FMLA and get time off, um, this a health condition. That you can you can receive time off for. So I, uh, my initial gut reaction was to take some vacation time, but the more I thought about that, I realized, well, shit, I'm not going to do anything fun. I'm gonna sit here and be miserable and try and get better. That's not a vacation. Mm-hmm. So let me look at the sick time I have. Um, oh. So I, you know, I contacted my psychiatrist and we talked a little Mm-mm. bit, and he said, you know, you can access FMLA. You can go. You can have up to twelve weeks off if you need it. Shit, I don't. That's fine. I, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. need. Hopefully, don't need twelve weeks. But I got, I got sick time, so I'm gonna still get paid. Oh. I'm gonna still have my job. Um, but I got to get the fuck out of here before I lose it. Yes, I had spent that whole year to you know, talking to my team about taking care of themselves and mental health and physical health and well-being and saying, you need time off, go take it. If you're not doing well, go take it. So every time my team would come to me and ask, uh, request time off, it was always granted. Yes, take care of yourself, take Mm -hmm. care of your family, do whatever you need to do. We'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was starting to realize that I was actually burnt out. So when it was time for me to say, I need time now, um, they were more understanding of that uh, because I had been preaching that for this whole year. Now, I don't know if, if, now my supervisor at Mm. the time, I I don't know if she was as understanding, but they also, when you say that you're going to be off and you're going to use FMLA, you know, there's, you can't get fired for that. Um, They can be unhappy about it, but that's where you turn the phone off and stop checking emails. And that's what I did for uh, the better part of two and a half, three months.
4: I love that.
9: That's a strong move on your part. Straight up. I've
5: been there. I know what it's like.
2: Let's look real quick at some of the job burnout symptoms. Um, Have you become cynical or critical at work? You drag yourself to work and have trouble getting started. Have you become irritable or impatient with coworkers, customers or clients? Do you find it hard to concentrate? You feel disillusioned about your job? Are you using food, drugs or alcohol to feel better or to simply not feel? Mm. Or have your sleep habits changed or have you Are you troubled by unexplained headaches, stomach, bowel problems, or other physical complaints? Um, Let's talk a little bit about how you felt. Walk us through the quitting um, real quick here.
9: So I, I couldn't quit until I had another position in place. I don't, I'm not lucky enough to have multiple streams of income. Like JG has spoken about I'm like, I can, maybe I can't do that. So I got to have something else lined up. And I was lucky enough to be able to find something within state government. So it was just a, it was a transfer within state government, um, cool. which was a good thing. Uh, and I was, I was so excited. I had. I, I didn't care for my boss, my supervisor, uh, so I I put in my two weeks, and I I had seen a floating around on the interwebs a, a card that's you know says sorry for your loss, and you open it up and you said it's me, I'm I'm gone, I'm leaving or whatever in two weeks, so oh, wow. I got got Very one of those nice. cards and had a little audio recorder <laughs> in it, and uh, love- there's a there's an audio clip that has been just going through my head for the last shit i don't know 15 years or so it's uh, uh i knitted a mood setter who quit live on the radio oh she's the radio Down dj yeah. That third. Yeah, yeah i quit yeah. this bitch like that's how she ended it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. she's got this yeah. whole long spiel that she gives and then i quit this bitch and she shuts it off <laughs> i recorded that and i put that in that card so Oh, yeah, I, I had to give my formal notice. So I, I give my formal notice. So it's all there. But I also made a card and I, I gave well, Boss the that card and it was sorry for your loss and <laughs> open it up. And on repeat, okay. going through that whole thing, I quit yes. this bitch and you couldn't turn it off. You couldn't do anything unless you ripped it apart and broke it. <laughs> that was the most wonderful well, thing I could think to do.
4: But wait a minute, Jason. What was your wife seeing during this time of burnout? Um, did she ever pull you to the side and say, "Look at you, Jay Bear"?
9: She she did. Yes, yeah, she see. did. Yeah. And, and we've and we've we've walked that. We, we've been through you know mental health struggles before. So I was receptive to that. Um, I was in a position where I could be receptive. And she was like, you know, you you got to get out of there. Your physical health. God. Um, it affected my memory, which was something that I. I didn't know that could affect that burnout could affect memory i thought i was having like early onset dementia or alzheimer's
5: i'm like you brother i'm a hard charger i I like to go but as i've gotten older now i've learned like you know as much as i like to go i got to put myself on like a stop mode like you know what i'm saying so i i I really really even i know it's not really recording right now you okay but i really i wanted you to know and i really appreciate what you're saying and what you're going through i've been there i know what it's like
4: proud of you also for
2: taking care of you taking care of your family your wife your kids and the two dogs that you rescued thank you very much for sharing your journey into choosing yourself and hopefully those words will be ones that everybody can heed including me that's the show Roy's job fair is a product of South Park and Princeton Productions Comedy Central iHeartMedia Media and it's a product of you the job fair listeners uh, we try to make these shows as evergreen as we can so uh, keep listening go back and check out the back library I guess we'll ask it now Jacqueline we'll ask it now will you rate and review us please even even, even when we're getting ready to take a break I still didn't beg you every other podcast that Press. you have they, every fucking episode they rate and review rate and review, Subscribe to the notifications. Make sure you tell a friend. I'm telling none of that shit. I don't care if you tell a friend. I care if you like it.
3: Do you like it?
2: <laughs> okay then. Can
3: rate and review the shit.
4: And I read I every that. last
2: one of them. Yes, Lord, she does. She read them and then bring them to me. I'm like Jacqueline. I don't. Be reading all them reviews. I just, it's,
4: that's why I read them.
2: That's what Comedy Central tell us to tell people because the metrics, the metrics. So, um, I do wish you all the best. I do wish you all nothing but health in uh 2023. And, um, I will uh see you all again soon. Third, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Jacqueline, yes, it's been a pleasure. Um, huh? Rod, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Riding with you as well. Uncle Rod Story Corner is the yes. podcast. And Rod, I'm gonna swing by on there from time to time. If you wanna know where I'ma be, find me on Uncle Rod Story Corner, where I'll tell many stories. Where's uh what's another simp story I can come on in oh. on your podcast, Rod? Right oh. oh, I'll tell the story about the time the girl left me at the movies when I went to go see Die Hard 4. Oh my God. Damn. And she drove. She, walked, she left in the middle of the movie, said so she'd be right back. And then just like a deadbeat dad, motherfucker was gone.
5: Just left you in the theater with a popcorn.
2: What did you do? No, that wasn't funny. This is pre uber I had to actually call a cab. I had to physically get a yellow page. <laughs> Find the number to a cab. What did you do? Phone. Wow. Maybe she did something. You got to listen to me on, on on Rod's podcast later this spring. <laughs> End of the show. We don't have time. That's it. And as a little thank you to everybody who's rolled with us since day one, theme song in its entirety.
0: the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
9: Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
1: podcasts.